Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 398, covering Perpetual Infinity with Kevin Lynch. Hi, friends. Is this... No, it's not the dumbest title. I was about to say, is this the dumbest There's title we've ever covered? There's dumber titles. Yeah, it's a pretty dumb title, though, wouldn't don't, you say, Flon? Don't Flan? forget, the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. That's that's true. I don't know, Flunk, what do you think? What's, yeah, what's the I mean, worst title? Yeah, I mean, it's not in Latin or something, so it's not that, that dumb. That is true. You, you know what we always say, CV's pacem parabellum. <laughs> mm -hmm. I turn to the camera and shrug. <laughs> Uh, your, your well-known catchphrase. Yeah, that's that's what we're all the time saying uh -huh. all the time. Uh, I didn't hate this one. Again. No, I like this one again. No, that's things have been uh, things have been going pretty well for the old Discovery the last few weeks. Well, Flunk, is it is it accurate to say you've been more forgiving of this show than we have? Uh, yeah, that is definitely true. Um, but also, I think the last few have been genuinely good, as opposed to just mm. new Star Trek excitement. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th I think you you fall into that thing that I do with Star Wars like I can never defend the prequels as being any good, but it's like I don't care, it's new Star Wars. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of um I mean, I'll I'll still defend a lot of um Into Darkness too just because it's like, yeah, but I just like seeing my space friends running around. Yeah, I can watch the first half of that movie yeah. just fine. It's yeah, most of the second half too. It's only until Once. the movie descends into darkness that uh, it gets kind of <laughs> shitty. Just terrible. Well, let's. Uh, there's there's a lot to talk about, as as always is the case with disco. So, uh, <laughs> it actually worked out that um, the busiest show worked out well for me because uh, the there wasn't actually a lot of plot for a change. <laughs> yeah, that that is true, and. That's kind of one of my complaints, but we'll get to that. Why don't you tell us what does happen in Perpetual Infinity? Oh, Perpetual Infinity. That's a good bad name. <laughs> okay, so Burnham found her mom, and she's a time traveler. She's constantly rubber banding <sighs> back to the future um, after Control has killed all sentient life because time's an asshole like that. Yeah, time is sentient and hungry or horny or something. I don't know. Disco is keeping Mother <laughs> Burnham here. Uh, keep Mother Burnham here in the future, but they only have enough cat power to keep her here for 45 minutes plus commercials. Secret Agent Lieutenant Ash Tyler's all, Duh, I'm a huge moron who doesn't understand how physics work. Why don't we just do more power? <laughs> it's like the most basic Newtonian law, you open-mouth dingus. Ugh, that guy stinks. Speaking of guys who stink, Control has Captain Leland tied up in the basement and is menacing him with knives. Control needs an Edgar suit to walk around in so that people won't know it's an evil computer, so it slips into Leland's brain. This thing has a pretty solid grip on sentience, so I'm not sure why it needs to eat all that delicious sphere data, but it's really hungry or horny or whatever for spheres, so it just tries to steal the data like it's the <laughs> fucking spear burglar or something. First, it sends Lieutenant Trash Tyler to take it, but he accidentally locks himself in the bathroom. Bryce pretends he doesn't hear the jiggling knob. So then Control sends Giorgio to get the data. She does it first, but then realizes she can't do genocides if Control does them first, so she helps Disco send the data into Dr. Burnham's suit. Once it's in there, they can send the angel suit into the future. Won't be no trouble at all. Also, they can beam Dr. Burnham out of time. Sure, why not? Anyways, it doesn't work. Most of the data gets into the suit, but Control gets some of it, and Michael's mom had to go with it. So Mike loses her mother again and has no idea if she can get her back. But Spot's being nice to her now, so that's good. 
I mean, it's real difficult to get Spock to be nice to you. That's, yeah, that's a major accomplishment. Spock's default is to be a dick to you just because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, and if you're his, like, big sister, little sister, I'm not clear on the age difference, but if you're his sibling, there's there's no chance. Like, no. You're, you're always going to get a lot of shit from him. Sup, loser? So, yeah, Shut up, Spock. Mom! I, do, I did notice uh, the episode ends with them uh, playing, sitting down at the chessboard again, so I guess she glued that back together. Uh-huh. <laughs> After his major temper tantrum. Computer, replicate yet another chessboard. More durable this time would be nice. (laughs) Computer, replicate a a chessboard that even Spock can't destroy. (laughs) Which is how we get the Moriarty of chessboards. Yeah, invalid parameters. Yeah, you just create a sentient chessboard. Congratulations. That's what control (laughs) is, actually. Yeah, now it all makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. I still don't hate the whole control thing. Like, as a villain... I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm yeah, pretty I here for the whole thing, you know? Like, Yeah. I, it feels like something I shouldn't like. Every now and then there's a thing in Star Trek where it's like, oh, I've seen this before, but I don't know. It's yeah, okay. an yeah, evil computer, that's uh, always fun. Yeah. And it, it does feel like in this era of Star Trek, they definitely would have built an AI to help them, like, think up strategies. That just, that fits with, like, the M5 computer and a few other things in the original series. Oh, totally. Like that. That all kind of fits together. That's like that's a Maybe thing that's... that we actually we haven't we sort of gotten away from as we've gotten further along. Like we don't get too many evil sentient computers anymore. Maybe that's how they end up defeating it. A young Lieutenant Kirk comes on logics it to death. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would, but uh, yeah. Michael Burnham <laughs> is exactly the type of person who would. I put it to you, sir, that. Well, she did. We saw it was one of the first episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she was yeah, stuck when in she was stuck in the brig. Yeah. That was when I, I think, kind of f- fell in love with this character. Yeah. Like, that's that's some solid Star Trek right there. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's been a while. There's, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good her in this. And Matt, this is your good thing, yeah? Oh, my God. Okay, so I hate doing this every week. I don't. But Sonequa <laughs> Martin-Green is amazing. There's a scene in the, that starts this episode off with her learning that her mother's alive and not an illusion. And it is so fucking good. And then finding out that her mother doesn't want to talk to her and then talking to her and just like she has so many good scenes in this episode. Yep. There's a, there's a bit that would have been my quote uh, if it was my turn to pick, which is uh, she she wakes up and she says, well, I just had this ridiculous dream that the Red Angel was my mom, but that can't possibly be right. Wait, that was real? <laughs> that was very good. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, she, the- and she does like... The, uh, they're like no 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 my 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 mother's dead. She's been mm-hmm. for for twenty years. She's been dead. It's mm-hmm. so good. Meanwhile, yeah. she's telling that to Doctor Culber. But okay, fine, she's dead. Uh-huh. Doctor Doctor Culber and Lieutenant Ash Tyler are both standing there and saying, "Really dead?" And a woman huh. and a woman who's died in in this universe. All right, and Giorgio, yes, of course. Uh, my good thing actually sort of ties they- into to that whole situation, which is uh, the casting for Doctor Burnham was great. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's really. Uh, good. And I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but she played Kima in The Wire. Uh, she oh, looks. You want to talk sounds... about The Wire? Let's talk about The Wire. Uh, no one's ever done this before. I'm yeah, let's here. tell everyone how great the show is and how they definitely should watch it for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's uh, actually one I mean, of those shows that I didn't finish because I just don't want it to end. So, like, as far as I'm yeah, concerned, all the I characters are still around having adventures. The thing is, it was a great show, but uh, you know, people, some people have ruined it by never shutting up about it. Oh, sure. That's why I'm never going to watch um, it anymore. But it did, you know. Uh, well, that, there's there's a whole other thing going on there. <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
but uh you know one one thing you have to say about those sort of prestige dramas is pretty much anyone that you get who's been on them is a great choice like you know is is like sort of a top tier tv actor and she's up to the caliber of you know what we want to see in star trek like in the 90s all those shows got sort of the the b list like tv guest stars and you know we commented on that a lot but they're doing a lot better with that now and mm. and she yeah. was an excellent choice. She looks and sounds very much like Michael. And I love that this character believes that she's the only person who can save everyone because turns out Michael isn't just fucked up because Sarek was a bad parent. She also comes by it honestly. <laughs> and she's she's got this great thing where she's kind of got to just think of Michael as a thing. And like, this isn't my daughter. This isn't someone I care about because I've watched her die hundreds of times. I just can't. Like, I can't think about it like that. Mm. And so she's got no like it, it, uh, no apparent emotional investment in her, and it's so good. Ah, I like it so much. And so I just realized while you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you. It's the second wire actor we've gotten. Oh, everyone's uh, favorite Balthazar Edison. Oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Matt, don't you have don't you have a song prepared? <laughs> I was trying to think of one. Oh, sorry. No, I got well, um, you... but yeah, <clears throat> like oh, she's right. she's great, and she has a lot of like big expedition uh exposition dumps to do because um you yeah. know she's from the future so she knows everything and has to get rid of a lot of the questions we have about the plot but sure. they, yeah, they do and, it and michael's like, watching this series of uh log entries yeah 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 and like and michael's really good at like so like i'm watching my dead mother like suddenly like have all this information for me like like she's she's doing a great job selling it um uh, her mom's doing a great job not making it boring. Like it's all the writing's good. Like it's all good. All yeah. No, those those scenes could have completely fallen on their face if we didn't have you know good actors and selling them because it's just one one person watching backstory on TV basically. Yeah. There's a great little bit too. Anytime she's watching it and then someone comes in the room, Michael like immediately like quickly turns it off. Like no no, I'm just like mm -hmm. reading right now. Mm -hmm. Michael, are you I masturbating? No. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> And I definitely wasn't crying either, or doing both of those things at the same time. <laughs> Spock uh. just sort of backs out of the room. I'll come back. You know what? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's true. When I say anytime somebody walks in, I mean her only friend, Spock. Yes. Right. Well, who else does she know that she's friendly with? I mean, it's Nobody. not like the ship is full of like people she that she's made anything. friends with over the last year. Yeah. No. Not like they made a huge point early in the season of her, like, forming a bond with Saru and him, like, trusting her again. Yep. Nope. That's not a nope. thing. No, only Spock. Mm-hmm. No Spock, only Spock. Mm -hmm. Oops, all Spock. <laughs> uh, since we're doing good things, Flunk, what do you got? Oh, Secret Agent Lieutenant Ash Tyler got stabbed. Hooray! He's gone forever. Yay! Yep. Now I'm going to take a big sip of coffee and watch the promo for next week's episode. Uh, we were s <sighs> guys we were I've so been, close i've been avoiding the promos for most of the season but lately i'm just like oh, well where could this possibly go now yeah and so oh, I, it, it goes like, to chronos okay. yeah yeah more klingons no, versus section 31 we're gonna get to watch the great klingons versus section 31 war also we're gonna follow up on that baby that needed absolutely no follow-up yeah like you left it in a monastery the end that's that that baby story's over mm -hmm. right no apparently not that baby okay. still needs to grow up to be Gowron. Someone, I saw a very good theory that that baby is the albino that the original three Klingons fought in oh, DS9. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yep. 
I thought that, that was that interesting up to cool. the point where the albino was interesting at all, which was not very. No, he was just a faceless villain. It didn't matter. Yeah. The point was Dax and her three Klingon friends. Yeah. Like, who cares? But it, it wouldn't be a bad sort of, because I like when things tie into the deeper things like that. Like, he was mm. in one episode, and it doesn't really matter. It's not like, he, oh, and this Klingon is also Spock. <laughs> Hush, little baby. Someday you'll grow up to be murdered by Dax and some friends. <laughs> Um, I, mean, I saw a, a bad version of that for, for this episode, which is the Control's nanites are going to be the start of the Borg. Oh, I yeah. thought that as soon as uh, yep. Leland gets that black shit all over, I'm like, oh, here we go. It could be. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're messing around in time, so who we knows? We still don't have, like, a definitive origin for the Borg, and the nope. time they showed up on Enterprise, they were from the future, so... Yeah, that didn't... Yeah. It's entirely possible. Please don't do that, please. Yeah. I will say... I will say 100% I don't want to see it, but if this ends up being the Borg, it would be so much better than what the books ended up uh, giving us as the origin of the Borg. You got me there. So, which I did not believe until uh, Matt uh, sent me to Memory Beta, which is the memory alpha for non-canon stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, really, check it out. And I went down that rabbit hole all day and regretted it. So what, what was it for people who don't know? Uh, uh, If I remember correctly, uh, a bunch of like... Erica Hernandez, who was the other captain from Enterprise. Right, the the captain of NXO2. Yeah, got sent back in time somehow for some reason. <laughs> and With a talking pie. Got a time reached by, out like, and grabbed a robot her. On, like... mm-hmm. Well, time was horny for her. Yeah. yeah. Or hungry. Uh-huh. And got attacked by robots or something and was like, her last words were, I don't want to be a cyborg. Uh-huh, and it remembered Borg. Yeah. That was someone's secret origin for why the Borg have a have a like a an English name. Yeah. Well, that was. Ugh. I think was it the those Shatner books where the Borg and Viger were connected. Yeah, I think that was true. Yeah. Uh there was. Oh God, I guess that wasn't canon. But in the Star Trek Encyclopedia or one of the one of the sort of half-assed canonical reference books hinted that there was a connection there, like. Like, something written by the Akutas said that. So, like... Okay. Well, the, those Shatner novels were written by the Akutas. Or, no, not the Akutas. No, 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 no those the, the Reeves. No, the, the Reeves Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, anyway, we don't I don't know the Borg story. are going to show up on the Picard show anyway, so why are we talking about them here? Yeah. Oh, I don't God, know. That's have you... definitely going to happen. Have you Have you read the anything about that? Uh, just that there's a Kung Fu Romulan. I know that. But, no, just, like, if you're talking about, yeah, like, it sounds... a, a look back on Picard's life and all the stuff that's affected him, like, the Borg are going to come up at some point. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Right now, it sounds like he's a space pirate. Because <laughs> he's got a ragtag band of, uh, you know, rebels or whatever. Ugh. Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> also, that could be very misleading information. It could be, you know, like... Who knows? Yeah, we heard all kinds point, of crazy we don't know shit. shit. No, yeah. we heard all kinds of crazy shit about this show before it finally surfaced. So I will say this: I hope they bring Delancey back for at least one episode. Yeah, so they can we'll finally see. kiss. <laughs> Not gonna kiss. No matter how much you want it to happen, unless unless we make it happen, we write our own Star Trek thing. You know, make Q and Picard in love, you cowards. <laughs> Picard doesn't love him back. Yeah, that's true. This, this is a one-sided. Thing. Yeah. Not my deal, right. thanks. Uh, bad thing. Flonk, what do you got? It actually didn't come up much in this episode. There's really only one scene, but this has been bothering me all season. Christopher R. Pike, shut your garage door. 
Okay, I've seen you tweet about this every week. We're on I episode get, 11. What does this mean? I get anxiety every time this ship goes to warp because the, the, the shuttle bay doesn't have, a, doesn't have a door. It just has a force field. And so it looks like all the shuttles uh-huh. and all the people in it are just going to go tumbling out the back when the ship flies away. Oh, my God. I they can't, have them tied down. I mean, they have a force field flunk. Also yeah, but that. it just goes out into space. There's no door. Yeah, but like, force like fields are like a door. He just needs to reach up and tap the little thing on his uh, on his sun visor, and he can close the door. <laughs> I feel like it's maybe a, he lost the remote. I think it's a nice cost saving measure. They didn't have to build the door. Mm. It's all green screen. Lorca anyway. was probably <laughs> like, "Get that door, get that door out of here. Let's save some money. I'm not heat some money. I'm not heating the entire galaxy." Okay, that's definitely something he would have said. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I mean, you know, you guys only really get one appearance per season, so. Mm-hmm. No, it's this is definitely the time and place for you to to air your grievances about the show as a whole because you're only here once a season, so, mm. of course. Yeah, the only I, shot we I, saw I don't that understand the ship it, but I don't understand. Still, so. Well, it was shooting the planet, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You should probably or close your bombard that, too, honestly. What's that? For when you're shooting the planet, you should probably close the door for that, too. Yeah, there's going to be some kind of um, uh, shockwaves or something. Fly yeah, like a, um, and mosquitoes. Yeah. What do you call it? Yeah, like there's a, not even like a screen a over it. That's not it. <laughs> Putting up the big storm windows for the, for the space winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, judging by the next episode, space winter is coming. So yeah. God. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Yeah, so uh, Dr. Burnham makes kind of a big point this episode to Giorgio about how Giorgio loves Michael and is apparently eventually going to die for her. And once mm-hmm. again, Disco just does not put the work in. Like, I've nope. seen no evidence whatsoever that Giorgio has any interest in anything other than furthering her own evil agenda. Does she like Michael? Yeah, probably. But love? No. Like, and we've seen this a million times before, but if you're trying to do a redemption arc for a character for the Section 31 show, which is clearly what they're doing, we need to see that shit. She can't Mm -hmm. just be a cackling monster in a corset every week as much as I enjoy that. It makes the weird self-sacrificing Michael stuff like this and last week come out of nowhere. No, and we had two. We had her, and then we also had the plot line of Lieutenant Ash Tyler being told to betray his friends and... I guess being conflicted about that. And I didn't feel invested or bad for either of these characters mm-hmm. at all. Like, okay, they're both monsters. Who cares? Yeah, like, okay. Like, okay. Yeah, I, like, like the, in the, in the previously, previously on part, they, they showed the scene from last week where, where Ash Tyler was just like, no, I, I don't agree with their methods, but I like their results. Damn it. So, you know, that he's, mm-hmm. he's bought into the whole section 31 shit, except this week he doesn't, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and seriously, we're supposed to feel bad for him that he's being ordered to betray his friends, question yeah. mark? But I don't give a fuck about that. Here, here, here's the thing. We know at this point, Mir Giorgio's not going anywhere. She's getting a yeah. TV show. Yeah. Like, you you cannot redeem a cannibalistic genocidal monster, but if that's what you're going to do, you need to start putting the work in. You can't just have her only make snide comments and be evil every week and that's all they do and have somebody from the future say oh no there's good in you and then her go oh okay sure yeah like michael's been saying that since she first showed up and we have no evidence of that no she just has the same face as someone who was very nice and kind yeah so (laughs) 
Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Nope. Uh, you had a you had another bad thing here, but this is actually Flunk's quote. Time is out of joint. Oh, cursed spite that I was born to set it right. Hamlet. Hell yeah. Oh, also, uh, no one in history has ever said Hamlet. Hell yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm related to somebody who said that. <laughs> yeah, I think a regular guest of this show has said that at least once. All right, yeah. one person. <laughs> <laughs> But I yeah, don't know. It feels. I put that as my quote like, just because we all latched onto it and how stupid um, it was. Yeah. It feels like a lot of what this show tries to do when they try to make these guys talk like now, which mm -hmm. always bugs me. Like, Star Trek dialogue to me has kind of a timeless, like, yeah, it's a little stilted at times and you can work on that. But the more contemporary slang and things you put in there, the more it's going to date it. And having someone love Shakespeare, but also use contemporary slang is like the most discovery thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. I saw it Hamlet. was in that. Oh, um, yeah. like, uh, okay. It was in that Shatner uh, documentary about the captains. Um, Kate Mulgrew mm -hmm. actually compared it to Shakespeare, where like the the techno babble and all that has a very distinctive rhythm. Mm. I, don't know, I thought yeah, it was I could interesting. See that. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, just general dialogue in Star Trek doesn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they swear because something major has happened as as a reaction to that, that's fine. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying. We did a whole movie where they went back in time and people were swearing and they're like, oh, that's how people talk back down. Yeah. Like, like they don't really talk like that. And they don't like they don't say Spock is lit or whatever. <laughs> like, Maybe they should, though. I Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Going down yeah. the corridors on their Segway. <laughs> Wearing their Kanye glasses. Well, we saw that uh, Michael's mother uses uh, uses selfie sticks to take uh, her log entries. So clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Phones, phones, phones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, when they brought uh, Michael home to uh, the, the Sarek house, and she went all in on that cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Post-Atomic Horror brought to you by Nancy. <laughs> uh, so, my bad thing. Yes. There's some score in this that drives me fucking nuts just like super cliche bullshit stuff and i usually don't like to dig up more than one quote because i i'm, I'm a lazy lazy man mm -hmm. but i actually did get clips just so you can hear what i'm talking about All so right. there's there's two that i i sort of singled out here the first happens at a big dramatic reveal and lots of shows and movies and mostly movie trailers use this cue and i hate it so much it is so played out dun, dun, dun. it's this Oh, yeah. That fucking rising strings bullshit. Yeah, Ugh. I know what you're talking about. And what, what almost always comes right after that is some serial killer or some just badass person saying, shall we begin? Mm-hmm. Ah! Stop it! Well, and then shall there's we? Another... No, we shall not. Stop. <laughs> we shan't. Shall we, we when begin? No, <laughs> oh, or, or, or shall we uh, have had begun? And then the travel. other one, the other one actually sort of pairs up with uh, what I thought was a shitty editing choice. Uh, this is during a, a uh, martial arts fight between Giorgio and who cares because it's Giorgio. <laughs> I'm sure she was fighting someone interesting, but come on, it's Michelle Yeoh. Are you watching anyone but her? Of course you're not. But they, they play this noise. Michael! Michael! 
fucking dubstep. And it's accompanied by them slowing the footage way down. Yeah. And it's like you have inarguably one of the the great recognized as one of the great martial arts performers in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're doing camera tricks to make her look cool. Well, she like doesn't need that. Like this shit's been around since the Matrix, for Christ's sake. Oh, it's been around longer than that. But but is it is it's definitely been... a trend in movies now where it's it's kind of like bullet time, but it's more of that slow motion spinning around in 360. Like uh, the, oh, Zack Snyder it? shit. Vision. Yeah, Zack Snyder loves Zack that. Snyder shit. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. crouching tiger shit. Well, it, yeah, yeah, but then it was too. good. But you don't need it. Like. Like I say, you have Michelle Yeoh. You don't need extra camera tricks to make her look cool. She already does that. That's what she's for. It just uh, and then that music choice on top of that. And those were just two examples of many. There was like, I don't think they wrote any new music for this episode. They just used a lot of stock, like lazy bullshit. And it's just like you guys can do better than this. Wow. Like I recently got the soundtrack to season one, and it's I, there's some really good score in this mm. show, but sometimes they get a little lazy. So. That's all. I mean, I like the main theme a great deal. Sure. I like a lot of the, you know. Eh. No, you don't? It's fine. It's I what? just because um, the movie theme is better. I just wish they used well, that. Eh. Nah, that doesn't bother you. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. The the last Star Trek series we watched had, you know, Faith oh, of the Heart. Yeah. yeah. Which I know you love, but the rest oh, of yeah, us didn't no, like. Oh, yeah, that was my favorite song. <laughs> it was my number one jam. It was... <laughs> We only did four seasons of that show, and you used one of your four precious good things for that theme. <laughs> I remember this. No, I liked how ridiculous the guy singing it was. Or it was... No, you made a special feature. That's what it was. It was Flonk's Enterprise All-Stars. <laughs> As I recall, there were only two. You you wanted to make... Call very special attention to the point where I said, sure, make, a, make your own segment to do this. That's fine. <laughs> so you could call out the excellence of that song. It's just the show in general. I mean, well, do I still have to do this bit pretending I like it? <laughs> well, you know, it gets good soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's in the books is when it really takes off. Anytime uh, now. I mean, the books are where Trip is a Section 31 agent, and that would explain a lot about how Section 31 functions in uh, in Disco. I mean, at this point, why not? Everybody else is. Yep. Or I think one of us during the, during the course of this episode suggested that... Uh, that that control is actually trip. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, it's because one of you said that uh, it blew up everything on Earth except Florida. Yeah, except Florida. <laughs> yeah. Haven't we been through enough? I love Florida. Ca- ca- That's where I'm Captain. from. Captain. Captain. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. I like the look of the red angel suit. Like I've hated it this whole season because we see it from the outside, all lit up to look like a literal angel, but. Mm. When we see just the suit no, it's in just action. A, it's a real cool spaceship with, or spaceship, spacesuit with wings. Yeah. And they, it's, um, uh, I, they, I they added it to the opening wings. credits also. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that that I don't completely love, but, yeah. you know. I like how that, they, like, I, change it every once in a while and just add in a little new schematic I or do. something. No, I, I do, too. I think the black badges sometimes there's there's not. Not. Yeah. Mm. I could do without the uh, the Trek badge showing up and filling up with black because it's a dark Section 31 badge. Ugh, they officially, they sell official black badges now. Like, oh, fuck, uh, what am I doing talking to you guys? Excuse me, I have to go order yeah. one. Uh-huh. Well, Rod, how else Roddenberry's will... got his dad's 77 gremlin with all this merch in the back. 
This is the same crate he put the itix in, and now I got uh, black badges in it instead. You fuckers want to buy an itic? Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's the thing that's not actually, it's, it's actually a little serious, for real. All right. Uh, so Spock, like, Dr. Burnham says, Spock is the only one I could communicate with. He understood me because of his dyslexia. Um... What? Yeah, that's not great. But this is this is a whole I was talking to Amanda about this. Amanda actually suffers from dyslexia and we had a whole conversation about there's there's people who want you to think of your handicap slash learning disorder, whatever, as a strength instead of a weakness. And it, this is a complicated issue and I'm not sure we're the right people to talk about it. I will say as someone who is the most like the textbook definition of ADHD, mm-hmm. I have come to think of my learning disorder as a strength. I use the tendencies that it gives me to like to my advantage. I say, okay, I am capable of hyper focus, so that means I can lock in on things and and work on a lot of projects at once. I don't know if that's very clear to you guys, but I work on a lot of projects at once. <laughs> what? This is and, the first I'm hearing of it. But I'm I'm saying I see the argument of using your disability as a strength. I do it, but there's a lot of people out there who think that's real unhealthy. It's it's real. It's a way to basically tell people, yeah, you're suffering. You're meant to suffer. Live with it. Mm. It's it's a super complicated issue, and I'm sure I'm not even saying it right, but it's something I wanted to bring up because it just feels it's, wrong to yeah, say. Yeah, it's kind of the way it was presented is, is the problem, I feel. Well, it was very simplified. They, they really, yeah. it was very reductive where it was like, and since you were dyslexic, everything was great. Well, that, like, it's like wow, a lot of what? TV shows do that now where it's like autism is a superpower, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's I not don't... really how it works and it's kind of insulting to sort of like make it that. Yeah, but like, like I say again, I have, I have used my learning disorder to my advantage. I know I'm capable of things that people without it are not and I try to use that, but that's, I, so I see both sides. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, therefore, since it works for me, it should work for everyone. No, of course not. Yeah. But I'm saying, there, it's not, you can't just completely rule it out either. It's just, it's it's messy and it's complicated and I don't think this show is really doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those things where I would absolutely love for someone with a greater knowledge of this to write in and, like, talk about it further. Yeah, I please. feel like it needs to be discussed and we might not be the right people to discuss it, but you guys have been so great about Oh hey, I know a lot about this because I teach developmentally disabled kids or whatever. Yeah. Like here's here's the deal. Like if if you have some insight on this, please, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. This is one of those things that I just I really enjoy our listeners chiming in on. Uh what else? Uh Culber's officially back as the ship's doctor, so it's good to know it takes three weeks to get over coming back from the dead. We don't we don't know how long it's been. Like, I, I mean, the way the show works, I'm pretty sure it's been about three weeks, maybe less. Yeah, it's probably the way we, maybe four I don't know, hours. With, with a Star Trek show, I always assume if they go somewhere at high warp that takes a week to get there, we're just skipping that part. Mm. And like, I don't assume one week equals one week, but you no. might be right. Like, I have no idea. Well, and like the show has always been <laughs> each episode leads into the next episode. Yeah, that's true. We always end on a cliffhanger that picks up the next week. Yeah, right. So I don't know. But Culber's basically back to normal as far as I can tell. We haven't really addressed him and. Paul's what's going on there, but he seems fine, so good for him, I guess. I don't know. We still got three episodes left in the season, and that might be my biggest complaint about this one, mm. is like I liked all the backstory. I liked that we found out what the Red Angels deal was and didn't just say, it's Mike's mom, and then moved on. Like, we we took a minute and figured out, how does that make sense? Oh, here's why. Yeah. But the story didn't really move forward much. Yeah. 
Like, at this point in the season, we know who the bad guy is. We know what they mean to do. The next step is stopping them. How can there be three more episodes left? I was wow. shocked that we didn't get another episode of Leland or as of Control as Leland, just like Lelanding yeah. it up. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. But we also uh, found out that the Red Angel has absolutely nothing to do with the, the Chaos Emeralds or Divine Beasts or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is that they're chasing after. <laughs> right. Well, no, because next week we get to follow up on... We get to go to Lava World to fight the Klingons or whatever. Yeah. Again. Didn't we beat this level already? going to be standing at the end of a bridge with with an axe on the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, if you shoot with Fireball, she'll turn into a Goomba and fall in. (laughs) Most of the Mario I play now is Mario Maker, and about half those levels are just auto-complete. Can I just, like... Not touch the controller and let it just move me to the end, please. Yeah, that's all. That's what I want for video games is to not actually get to do anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think those levels can be very innovative, but I think there's way too many of them. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, there's a there's a point where I can't tell if Doctor Burnham is stammering or if she actually addresses Michael as Mike. But I hope that's canon. I, I hope think she, she calls her Mike, Mike, and I I like that quite a bit. I couldn't tell because she says Mike Michael. And it could have been like a, you know, yeah, nervous like stammer yeah. kind of thing. There's yeah. a there's a part later in the episode where she clearly says Mike. So, mm, okay, I missed that. Mm. Well, but I good. like that a bit because we've been doing that since episode two. <laughs> well, we always do shit like that. Yeah. Uh, Tilly had two lines, and of course, one of them was her being awkward again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She she starts the episode, and I'm just like, ah, Tilly didn't do an awkward thing, and then it's like a second later, and something adorable by from Tilly. Uh huh. And again, I don't mind that that's part of her character. No, but she but... needs more to do. She's not doing anything. No, we had her focus episode, which was about her, her all-the-time friendship with a person we never met before and never met again. Yeah, how about some seeing some of her all-the-time friendship with her actual friend? Nah. Michael only has one friend. Yeah, her brother. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> oh. That makes me sad. Like I like I like Spock in this just fine. I've said it a million yeah. times. But like there are other people Michael could be talking to, and I would like to see that. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. Um, we got a lot of uh, Flunk definitely touched on this in his in his summary, but a lot of treating time like like it's a thing or like it's yeah. a place. Or, at one it's point they said it's like water. Angry. <clears throat> uh-huh. And horny. Don't forget yeah. horny. Yes. All those horny rivers we have. Time is horny on Maine. <laughs> That's when I learned you should write your summary at three in the morning when you're hungry or horny or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I think it works. Hungry, horny hippos. <laughs> Not a great game. Oh, and and at one point uh, near the end, Dr. Burnham is, you know, via her uh, logs, says, uh, I- I'm stuck right now in a time storm, but I'll be back. <laughs> A, a time just storm. Battening down the time hatches. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put time tape over your time windows. I imagined her on like a big crow's nest, like with time swirling around her. <laughs> got to cock these windows with time cock, otherwise the time's gonna get in. <laughs> you're wasting. It's hot, you're wasting hundreds of dollars on your time heating bill. <laughs> We're not paying to time heat the time universe. <laughs> No, there's a lot of really stupid things like with with all of that. But then there's one good moment where uh, uh, Pike says, uh, "What does he say? How long until the universe wins or something yeah, like that?" And that's that a, that's good. a much better way to say that. Yeah, there it is. How long till the universe wins? Yeah, that was much better. How long until time times us time? <laughs> Just 
time, bitty time, time, time. So time then? Is that what we're saying? Time? I think so. All right. This show does a lot of that like a balloon and something bad happens, like more than other yeah. Star Treks. Yeah, I, I mean, that's Star Trek right there. Yeah, but they do yeah, but, it more yeah, they do this on this more than the other shows did. I think they're trying to dial back all the dumb Brandon Braga era like t- techno babble, sure. and this is their way of doing it. And yeah, yeah, like, instead of just making up nonsense, they're at least attempting to explain it, but they might be going a little too far in the other I direction. Think, yeah, I think they're overcompensating and making it too stupid. Yeah, like, just just a little smarter. Like the most scientific this episode gets is when it talks about like Newton's laws and like. Most of us probably learned that in school and mm. probably remember what that is. And also, if you're traveling faster than light, I'm pretty sure Newton's laws don't apply anymore. Mm. Yeah. Certainly Einstein's laws don't. <laughs> I assume not. Einstein, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that uh, Scotty's in the ship traveling faster than light, shouting how he can't break the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, presumably the laws of physics change to accommodate that. They don't just like, oh, we're doing impossible magic. Yeah, no, now they're they're Cochranian physics. Hmm, there you go. You know, that, that drunk rock and roll enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Zephram. Uh-huh. All right. Anything else? Good old Zepho. <laughs> um, when I was watching it, CBS All Access showed me a commercial for CBS All Access. Thanks. What a great app. <laughs> we get it, CBS All Access. But not not specific shows. Like, not like, no, hey, no, it was, in it a few just weeks, like, yeah, you're hey, going to you get uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight yeah. Zone. No, no, it was just, a, yep. a, you know, watch Blue Bloods and Twilight Zone, whatever the fuck else is on this channel. No, no, and that's it. The, I think I'm already got on that, but okay. All the, uh-huh. Yeah. No, I've seen a bunch of people who are excited about the new Twilight Zone saying, wait, I got to sign up for the CBS app to do this? Hey, friend, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that must be so rough for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, man. I've had this thing You're really like into this thing? Now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, they're going to have two shows now, and then presumably all the Star Trek they've been promising us. All the Star Trek you can handle. Oh, boy. Yeah, we, we are definitely like uh, Homer being force-fed the donuts in hell. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, that's all I got. What about you guys? Yeah, it's everything I got. Yep, me too. All right. Uh, Flunk, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, actually, yes. I am uh, also on Tinseltown this week, my brother's um, dumb Christmas movie podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I a little uh, a teaser for this week. Uh, I, I hate Christmas, so he generally likes to tor- torture me with, um, you know, Fred Claus or Paul Blart or some other garbage. But sure, uh, uh-huh. this week we watched a movie that I quite enjoyed. So oh. to that. Oh. Excellent. Oh, and uh, speaking of Tinseltown, uh, the three of us appeared on Brian's podcast uh, oh, yeah, actually back in January. a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian had this wonderful idea that that we, uh, Pa co-hosts and Flunk Pa regular, should be uh, uh, covering tangentially related to Star Trek things. So we covered a very terrible Canadian TV movie, Christmas movie with William Shatner in it. And it was very it was bad. <laughs> very bad. Yeah, it was. But, you know, the four of us had fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to go digging back through Brian's archives, that's that's from uh, actually around Christmas time, yeah. as I recall. So, <clears throat> so there's that. How, where Where is that? What, what was that website again? I forgot. Uh, <laughs> iTunes search bar. <laughs> <laughs> very well. I think it's all the holiday. No, God, no. Now I'm thinking of all the Disney movies. Yeah. Holiday movies. Yeah, no. I'm going to fuck it up. 
it's, yeah. it's a podcast. I'm terrible. It's just I'm gonna, I'll put it in our show phone. notes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and speaking of other podcasts, our uh, uh, fanfic project Endeavor, uh, our second episode drops uh, two days probably by the time you've heard this. Yeah, on Monday the yeah. first. Oh, excellent! Uh, we are. I quite enjoyed super that first excited episode. about this one. Oh, good. Oh, well, thank you. I hope you uh, enjoyed Matt, the second one. Matt has gone real personal with the second one. Uh, he he's written an episode uh, dealing with some mental health issues, and uh, everyone who's heard it so far has had very very good things mm. to say about it. I loved it when I when I first read it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and it came out really well. So we're very excited about that. Yeah, so if you want, a, if if you want your Star Trek to have more queer people and more mental illness, then you're in luck. Yeah, look, we're all the things we said we want to see more of in Star Trek. We're we're trying our best. Mm-hmm. So, so look for that. Uh, that is ussendeavor.com, uh, and we would love if you would check it out. And uh, the whole review on iTunes thing, I guess, is a thing. Yeah, please review us on iTunes. We could really use it. It uh, yeah, it helps people find the show and. You know, sure. and if you really want, want to help us, we also have a Patreon. Oh, yeah, that mm. thing. That's yeah, uh, patreon.com slash Algar, A-A-L-G-A-R. Uh, you can give us as little as a dollar a month to uh, have access to some cool stuff and uh, help us be better at making podcasts. Yeah, and that there's there's different tiers related to different shows that I produce. Several with Matt, a couple with not mm-hmm. not Matt. Um, although you actually will be making an appearance soon on on our Discworld podcast. Yeah, if you so were thinking exciting. to yourself, I like uh, I like this show, but what if it had more Matt on it? Then uh, you're uh-huh. in luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I say soon. We're we're like fifty episodes ahead on that one. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> that'll be posting sometime in the distant future. Um, uh, one final thing about the Patreon, mm. uh, you do have to donate at sort of a very high level. I think it's like 20 bucks or something crazy like that, because I'm very reluctant to give up control of this show to anyone. Yeah. But if you donate that much money, you get to pick something for us to review. Yeah. Uh, there's there's very few qualifications there. Uh, it, it has to be something we can find, and it can't be Deadly Games. Yes. Other than that, anything sort of sci-fi, sci-fi for preference, but also fantasy horror or anything sort of genre... Uh, if you if you donate at that high amount, because in th- after three more episodes of Disco, we got no Star Trek left. Yeah. So we're going to be covering a bunch of different, you know, and the show's going to turn into a Riverdale fan cast, which will be fun. But <laughs> I don't know. It'll if be I real could... sad to lose this show that I've worked so hard on for <laughs> so long. But I, uh... could, I guarantee I could get you to watch an episode of Riverdale. Oh, definitely. Also, you made me sit through the hilarious House of Frightenstein, <laughs> so you will shut up and watch whatever I give you, Mister. <laughs> uh, but the, actually, the fir- we Matt and I have talked about this a bit. Um, the first handful of episodes are just going to be me and him picking things, so you know we're going to alternate. Yeah, and then we'll start bringing the regulars in. So, Flonk, uh, if you want to yeah, start thinking about, ideas. yeah, it's going to be going to be a few months still, but you know. There's there's that. Mm-hmm. And then all the regular guests will be able to bring us, you know, a thing as a gift. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but if you want in on that, you can you can donate at that higher tier and uh, and pick something for us. Uh, let's see the website post the Tumblr post You can write to us post at Gmail. We are on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt. And I think that is it. Yeah. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Elgar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.